There will come a point in your life where your strength will be revealed. It may be in a single moment, or it may be over a prolonged period of time. It may come through a tragedy, an illness, an event, or a decision you are forced to make. Regardless of the circumstances, it will come. This podcast is dedicated to the stories of those who have already revealed their strength. It is meant to inspire you in your own life to persevere. This is Finding Strong, and it starts right now. I just want you to let that music play. Pumps me up. Do you guys even know what song that is, you younger folk? I know that one. The Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin? No. Courtney does not know. No? no? So young kids, I am Adam Field. This is Finding Strong, brought to you by Eight Man Strong. I'm here with our co-host Ryan Bader, and our guest today, UFC veteran, ten time UFC veteran, ten times, Courtney Casey, ten times, huh? Ten times already, Dang. yeah. In just crazy. a couple years, we were talking about this before. Yeah. What was your first fight in 2015? Two, yeah, 2015. Yeah, yeah. I made my UFC debut. There you go, ten yeah. times. Ryan's is going to be quiet today because he's feeling under the weather. He's a little sick. Yeah, my voice is terrible. <laughs> That's okay. It's like most weeks. It's the same. Just keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> I have been sick myself, I, uh, like you, which ruins my entire life when I'm sick. Yeah. I thought about this. Um, I hate to be sick. I feel like if you, have, if you have something in your life you're trying to do, a passion of some kind, to be sick is the worst thing ever because it takes you out of your groove and what you're trying to do every day. Mm-hmm. So when I'm sick, I'm just like more angry than normal and frustrated and I can't I can't wait to not be sick. Yeah, and I keep doing the same stuff that I usually do too. You just feel terrible because I'm never going to, unless I'm really sick and, yeah. you know, a cough, whatever, you know, it sucks. Unless you're, you have some stuff coming out of you. Yeah. You got to stay home. I don't stay home and you just go. lay on the bed. You just go, right? I'm the and same. Like, Why am I feeling like this? I'm the same. And you're like, I'm not getting any better, but you keep pushing but it. Last year, I got as sick as I've been in like 10 years, same time. And I was fighting uh, Fedor mm. on, you know, later in that month. Right. So like three weeks before, full week of just like, couldn't hear my this whole This is during head. the middle of camp? There's three weeks till the fight. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. And so kind of freaking out a little bit, but anyway, kind of felt better. You know, I was taking all those like herbal pills uh, and all that to kind of yeah. get it out, but well, it worked out. So, see, I always think of this sickness. They probably, you, you probably should not train because it's not helping you recover. But in your type of sport, especially, I feel like if you can train sick, it's like mental preparation. So it's almost a benefit to you to be able to get sick and go through that process. Not really, not really. No? No. Yeah, no. no. What? <laughs> it's, it, no, not. It doesn't make any sense. It's it ter- makes no terrible. sense. Like your immune system's down, All right, right? Let me put it back on me. <laughs> and, and I said mental strength. Well, mental, yeah. But we, I mean, we're pretty mentally strong regardless. Um, so we don't need I'm any not, extra. Sick for I'm to, not. To get that edge. <laughs> I thought about this while, because I'm trying to do the 100 mile run, as you know, yep. you've taught, you pushed me into this. So I've been training more and more for this 100 mile run, which is hell on earth because I've done this 100 kilometers, 62 miles. And that's a 90% mental thing, I would imagine. I, over 50 miles is just, it's terrible every time, right? So I'm a huge Rocky fan. I thought I talked about this with Courtney before the podcast started. So have you seen Creed 2? 
Did you no. watch any of these? Wow. I haven't seen Creed 1 either. What kind of champ are you? Well, no. what? You haven't seen the first one. I know. One? What kind I'll of go champ back and watch. are you? <laughs> Creed 2. I barely watch fights, though. Oh, that's true. Well, you're doing your own fighting, so, you know. But I don't. So. I've just been around it, I think, for so long that I want some, like, I train and I just kind of shut it off. And I watch the bigger fights, whatever, yeah. you know, on the weekend if, if something's coming up. But it's like, it consumed so much of my life that now I'm kind of like, Push back a little bit. I see. Creed 2. You've seen Rocky 4 where yeah. Ivan Drago kills Apollo Creed. Have you seen that one? You remember yes, that? Yes, I know the All Rockies. Right. Yeah. In Creed 2, Adonis Creed, Apollo's son, becomes champion at the beginning of the movie. And then Ivan Drago's son comes out of... He's not even in Russia because they've been banished yeah, from there. And he's in like, like some yeah. other country over there. Comes out to fight Adonis Creed. To, so it's Creed Drago again. Anyway... He destroys Creed like really badly, almost kills him. But he hits him when he's on the ground. So no spoiler alerts. Right <laughs> no spoiler alerts. I'm not gonna Wait, go back and watch. Wait, this is start of the movie. <laughs> okay. He so anyway he he hits Creed when he's down. He gets disqualified from the fight. So still Creed is still the champion. So he goes through this whole mental anguish in the middle of the film where he. He feels defeated. His confidence has gone right. He got destroyed. Yeah, he but still guy, has a trophy. He still but ha- yeah. yeah, yeah. But it doesn't feel like the champ and this and that. So then he has this awakening in the middle of the movie. He's going to fight him again. And everyone's like, what are you doing? His wife is like, what are you doing? You better win. He's like, I'm going to win. So he goes to Rocky. Tells Rocky, I want to train. I want to beat Creed. You've seen this, right, I've Courtney? Seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Anyway. So, so Rocky's in that one too. Rocky's right? a trainer in both of them. Okay. But for the first Creed fight, Rocky would not, for the first Drago fight, Rocky says, I'm not going to train you at all. I don't want to be part of it. I and, was it and his wife is like, you better win. It's not very supportive <laughs> wife. <there. laughs> he tells her, don't worry, I'll win. And she goes, you better. It's kind of like the <laughs> yeah, Adrian well, Rocky moment in part two yeah. of Rocky where she says, win. Remember that? And then the training montage starts. And what about, hey, babe, do your best. I'm no, still here for you. Not in Creed 2. Okay. It's hardcore, bro. All right. So so Creed says, I want to fight him again. And then Rocky Creed goes, hey, we're going to start training tomorrow at 5 a.m. here. And Rocky goes, no, I got a different idea. I'm getting to the point of training sick, okay. kind of. <laughs> sort of. Bring it full circle. Maybe. We'll see how I go here. So Rocky goes, no, you want to you want to change things in a big way. You got to make big changes, basically tells him. So they get in the car and they go out to the middle of the, it's like Arizona, it looks like, or Death Valley, middle of the desert in the, in the, in the old Mustang that Creed has. And the music starts up. It's like this slow amen music. And it's like they're out in the middle of like just dirt and tumbleweeds. It's really awesome because I love the training montages. It's like fueled my whole life in fitness. <laughs> they get out of the car and it's like, there's a dog barking on a chain. There's like old weights in the dirt. There's like guys training in a ring in the middle of the, like the sun. So here's my point. So Creed says, oh man, this looks like hell. And Rocky says, since you're going back to hell, you might as well get used to it. And then the real montage music starts <laughs> up. And you I'm see like, Adam's face yes! right now. <laughs> I was so pumped. I've watched that montage like so many times. So when I'm sick... And I know I got this big event coming up for myself, which is this 100-mile race, and it's going to be hell. It's an opportunity for me because I'm not a fighter like you guys. So I get in the car, and I drive to, like, the mountain where I'm going to run, for my tr- and I feel like shit. But I'm like, oh, since you're going back to hell, your mom's got used to it. And then I'm just, like, running, like, feeling like I'm going to die from mile one. But I feel like it's good training. 
And it's like that in life, like you said, if you have a goal or something you're doing, you can't afford to be sick. You've got to push through it anyway. So, so that's, that's my creative moment. So Courtney, he drives to uh, a mountain in Scottsdale <laughs> no, no. where all the, all the soccer moms hike yeah. up and he h- hikes faster than them. <laughs> I've seen right. a little bit faster. All right. Let me, I used to do the Pinnacle Peak Mountain. It's on my playlist for sure. I'm not going to lie. But now I loop that Creed training montage. Like the whole so hour have, of the run, I'm just on Creed. You have a montage of training montages. Yes. To, from Rockies to, to Creed. I gotcha. Yes. I gotcha. Yes. When I was a kid, I would put on the Rocky record. Okay. This is, this is another blow your mind story. I would put on the Rocky record and my dad had speakers in our backyard. We had a pretty big backyard and we had like a punchy bag on the thing. And I would put on Rocky music and I would run around the backyard like I'm doing my whatever, yeah. my running. Then I'd hit the punching bag. And this is, this is embarrassing, but I was in love with Annie. You remember the movie Annie? From the yeah. attic? No. <laughs> what? What does that even mean? Annie. Okay. The little orphan Annie, the redhead girl. Really? Yeah. Okay. Her name was Eileen Quinn. Thought she was so, so hot when I was 10. And in my mind... I was going to be Rocky in a movie, and then she was going to be my Adrian. So go. my training montage in the backyard fluctuated between Annie's record and the Rocky record. What? Annie record? <laughs> yeah. Dude, that was my woman. Was your brother right? around when this was happening? That was my woman. I was inspired. That's all I can tell you, man. Did you pick on him or what? Did you he, have the Annie doll? He was four years younger, so he's not going to pick on Did you have the Annie doll? We had an Annie doll. I'm you pretty better, sure hey, we did. You better wash that doll constantly. I think Noah was Annie for Halloween one year. Yeah? Weren't you? It's getting weird now. <laughs> Were you attracted to your brother Keep dressed as Annie? <laughs> it was a weird day. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'll give you that on the Rocky, though. I remember being at uh, wrestling tournaments in California, and I'd have the... <clears throat> Nah, you no, know, I have the tiger. Mm. Then the, the one I was just humming the da na na. Got to fly. I had the tiger was a good. That was Rocky three. How it started with and Clubber you your, Lang. You had your Walkman when you put your cassette yeah. in there. You know, remember Clubber Lang was in his own like garage training alone. Yep, and he had the ropes hanging off the the wood the beam, wood and he'd be beam, doing yeah. the oh the pull ups. <laughs> oh man, a little segue. Enough about you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> You want me to say, wait, okay. I was going to talk about a couple of things first. One, this month's cause that we're doing is for the Australia uh, fires, which has been, if you've seen any of the footage on the news, it's unbelievable, all the fires over there. Oh, yeah. yeah it's crazy. And you see these people going out in the middle of them and getting these koalas and all this heart-wrenching footage yeah. of, like, the animals. Have you been down there? I've never been in Australia, no. Have you been down there? I, I haven't been down there, you know. Have you? Yeah, yeah I've been down there. Well, I fought down there twice, but I went down there another time. It's really it's everybody down down there is super cool. Yeah, it's a beautiful place, and yeah, so it's sad to see for sure. So we were obviously moved by a lot of that footage as a company, and so just yesterday we put out this shirt with the Australian flag on the sleeve, and the the money's going to go to this organization called Wires, which is a wildlife press uh, prefer uh, can't even say it now wildlife preservation comp- um, uh, organization, and the shirt sold out in like an hour. Was which is rare the for the fastest one, maybe probably so the fastest, which I thought is a awesome sign for us. Like, in, especially most of our obviously most of our clientele is from the United States, and that they would all of our clients to come in and buy right away for money going to another country is really awesome. Yeah, you yeah. know. So, 
Um, those sold on an hour. We're in the middle of running more right now to get them up for the weekend, hopefully, because it's a Friday right now that we're recording this. And so we'll try to keep them stocked throughout the entire month. Because the more well, we yeah, sell, a, the more we donate. It's a great cause. And, you know, obviously you guys do a lot of different stuff and it may not, not even jive, but people not, might not be aware of that certain cause or whatever. Right. But everything, everybody can rally around this, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, because it's got people, um, people have died, the animals, just the devastation of the... Why don't you go the other route? What's the other route? That one uh, kind of nude model. Raise a million oh bucks. Oh my god! Did oh you yeah. see that? By she would direct message nudes if you donate. Do you want to volunteer for that? Well, I already donated a bunch. But no, I mean to put up them photos of you. Already, I already donated about ten grand through her. Oh. <laughs> I did see that. It was like a couple hundred thousand, three hundred thousand yeah. dollars or something like. She's that. up to a million now. How sad is that for us? You, as a company. We you, do a couple donate, thousand and they do a million. You donate over there. and she would send you like a nude picture. Then she got um, blocked on uh, Instagram. They blocked her for yeah. that. Yeah. But she was trying to do it for a good cause. I get it. Yeah. Though. You have like guidelines there as a company. As Instagram. Sending nudes, but how many nudes are getting sent through that? Yeah. Anyway. A million. Or well, a, I'm saying in general. So she, if she raised a million, she sent on 100,000 nudes or something like this. However much she charged. You know, she, I think, I mean, I looked into it a little bit just for, <laughs> just for uh, well you know. versed. Um, I, but she does that. <laughs> a few screenshots she, here and there. Yeah, you know, here and there. <laughs> she does that anyway oh. on like an adult site. Okay. And then she was like, hey, I'm not going to get any money. I'm donating everything. You know, I'll DM you through Instagram or whatever wow. or Twitter. Yeah. And, and That's pretty awesome. A million, a million dollars. dollars. Yeah. That's your thing. Yeah, she's doing it anyway. Yeah, so. she's doing it anyways. Might as well. Yeah, so that another cause that we did this week alone um, that was before we did the Australian shirts was, you know, we do those gift packs every couple of months for Phoenix Children's Hospital. Yeah. Um, we put together a shirt and a little stringer bag for the kids and stickers and a couple of cards. And then kids that are getting admitted there for long periods of time, they get this free bag when they check in for Eight Man Strong. So Noah and I were working out the other day and we thought... It'd be awesome to put some of those on our website for just um, anyone to have for their kids, right? Like they could buy a gift pack for a kid yeah. that's struggling with an illness or bullying or something like this. And then we thought, we'll just put them on there for free. We'll do a, a number of them, a few dozen of them, put them up there for free, and then um, see how that goes. And we'll do that every month. So we thought, you know, we'll do that. Well, throughout the month, people will come on and they'll, all you have to do is put them in your, in your cart, like any other purchase, but it's $0 and then put the address you want to send to and we just send it out. So we, we put out an email on that to our email newsletter list. We put in a, a post on Instagram. They were gone in three minutes, really? three minutes. All of them were gone, which was awesome. I just, we, we want to continue to do that program, but after they all were sold or I guess given away, we started getting emails from people with even more stories. So like someone wrote me and said that his nephew, um, his father was not involved in his life at all. He's been being bullied at school. He's like 13 years old and like 300 pounds and he's trying to lose weight. Can um, we send him one, which I felt like for sure. So we yeah. sent one out there. Then another person emailed us and they had a two year old um, friend of theirs. Their, their child was two years old in Canada and has had like seven cancer surgeries within Crazy. The first two years of their life, so we sent one there. Then I got a, an email from a from a woman whose husband is a police officer, and his partner was killed in on the line in the line of duty with him by a drunk driver. And then the officer that died had two children that are like six and seven years old that now are without a dad. So we sent one there. So I guess my point of that is, 
if you're going through a depression in your life, you're in a low point sometimes, and you start to focus on that in yourself, and you get even more and more down, and you're alone. When you go out and do things like that for someone else, when we do the cause shirt or we do that little thing that day and it's all out in three minutes, it makes you feel amazing. Like you take mm -hmm. your focus off your own problem for a second and you feel really good about, about yourself um, and about the people you're helping. You get these messages and you want to do more and more of that. And it kind of, it's a trick to bring you out of your own depression to go out and help someone else that's maybe down or struggling. So I encourage you all to do things like that. I have a sample of that for me. I was in line at... Uh, at um, In-N-Out the other day. I go to In-N-Out a lot because I can get the uh, Flying Dutchman, which is a keto-friendly. You know I'm a keto guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. keto. Like, yeah. <laughs> keto, bro. So this is an example of something you can do nice for someone that doesn't have to be like you're doing charity shirts. Or maybe you don't have a company that you can do charity work through, but just in your daily life. So I'm in line, and I'm kind of an angry driver inside my own car. I don't really yell and honk at people, but I'm yelling all the time in my car. I'm just like that for some reason. It's a character flaw. And this lady in front of me is like, the line is very long and in and out. And she's like eight to 10 feet back from the car in front of her the whole time. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah. And I want her like right on, the, like move up. I'm in my car. Touch like, the bumper. Up. Yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> You're in your big jacked up Jeep. <laughs> yeah, I'm yelling, I'm angry for no reason, right? Here I am like talking about doing trade work as a company and in my personal life, I'm all angry for no reason. This lady's not pulling on, not pulling on. The whole time for like 10 minutes in line, I'm yelling in my car, come, like, like every time we'd go a little bit, she, anyway, I get up to the window, she leaves, I'm like, thank God, I get up to the window, she's paid for my meal, this lady. <laughs> yeah, like, like karma, I'm like, oh, I felt like so like terrible, a I felt awful, and then I paid for the person behind me, which is an easy thing to do. Yeah. Um, that anyone can do. So just something like that kind of brightens up, brightened up my mood from her in two seconds, and you know, I was being a jerk in the car, but anyway. So I encourage you all to do things like that. Even if you're yourself in a low point or having struggling, it'll make you feel better. It brightens someone else's life also. So anyway, that's my public service. On there that. you go. He's all crying right. right now. <laughs> all right. Let's get into Courtney's story because she has a pretty, pretty amazing story. Um, her life from, I guess... Amateur sports into how she got into professional fighting because she did not you did not grow up professional fighting Do you even do any type of fighting as a kid at all like karate or any of these type of sports? Um, I did I did karate and taekwondo a little bit a little you know, bit. just like most most kids, you know get thrown in after-school programs and stuff like that um, But your main loving thing was you were a soccer player yeah, definitely. Yeah soccer for sure So you grew up playing soccer played all through high school and you got a scholarship to play in college, correct? Correct. Yeah at the University of Texas at El Paso, okay and you're playing soccer. Do you play there all four years? Or how did that... Because you were injured, so I want to get into... Tell me the yeah. story about going to college and then the injury. Um, well, I mean, I got recruited, and I went and played. I would had no idea what UTEP was. I didn't even know that was a school okay. until I got recruited there. And I got a full-ride scholarship. And I played... I was the only true freshman my senior year. Hmm. So I played all four years. Okay. And... In between my junior and senior year, I went and played for the Seattle Sounders for the semi-pro team. Okay. And then I came back for my senior year. There was about three of us that went and played uh, during the summer. And I came back, and I th it was pretty much throughout. I played the entire season, and the last couple, I think the last, like, month, um, before we went to the conference tournament, I had a pretty bad injury. I fell on my, my butt. Okay. And they thought it was my back for the longest time. 
and, you know, doing chiropractors and, and everything like that. Finally, one of the chiropractors was like, hey, let's try to do an x-ray a little bit lower because I wasn't starting to get paralysis in my leg and oh, wow. stuff like that. And I ended up shattering. I had shattered my tailbone. Oh. And it had fused back up and was pinching nerves, and that's why I was getting paralysis in my leg. So okay. I ended up playing the rest throughout the entire time with that and just kind of battling through that injury. And then afterwards, once I found out, I think I found out like two months after season was over. So I had d went through everything, the whole season with that, the last like Conference USA tournament with all that going on. And then finally after season is when I found out what was actually wrong. Okay. And about two weeks after that, I got a letter to go try out for the the national team and the pro. They were doing oh, like a wow. pro league for the because it was the first year that they were going to actu actually have a women's professional organization more than like a couple teams. They were going to actually broaden a little bit wider, and I wasn't able to go try out because of my injury. Because you're injured. Yeah. So was that devastating at that point? It it, it kind of makes you take a step back and be like, man, I worked. Your whole life. My whole life. You know, obviously as a kid, your goal is to, you know, go to college and, you know, play on the, the national team. And I accomplished everything up to that point. And then when I got the letter and I knew I, I didn't want to go and try out knowing that I had this injury because I knew I wouldn't be able to give 100%. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be disappointed in myself by going and doing because I could barely run. Like I could run a little bit and then my leg would go numb and it just, wow. it was painful. So... I didn't, I ended up not going and finishing. I stayed an extra semester of school and I started training jujitsu and just, as just, a, just as something to do because cause you're frustrating. It you was frustrating. Like you, like when you're sick, you know, and you, and you can't train. Mine was like, I couldn't do anything. Like I couldn't play. I couldn't run. It was in just being my last year of school, trying to finish it out and trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I ended up going and starting jujitsu and it kind of stuck three months, three, three months after that, I did my first tournament, jujitsu tournament oh, wow. so against right all, on. all against all guys. And I won. And there was a guy there that had a show in Roswell, New Mexico. It was okay. double down promotion and he paid everyone in $2 bills, <laughs> which was pretty cool. That's like his thing. That was his thing. Yeah. And, um, so three months after that, um, my tournament, I took my first, my, my first amateur fight. So six MMA months training. Though. Yep. Six months training. Well, where total. did you get the stand-up training? Then you went from jujitsu right into just, full fighting? The guy that owned a uh, sub grappling district is where I trained in El Paso. That was what it was called. Sub grappling district is what the name of the gym was. He, uh, he was an MMA fighter as well. A big guy. Okay. And, um, so he had a handful of guys that were trained. And so I just jumped in and just started training. That is crazy. Yeah. How'd you decide you loved to fight all of a sudden from soccer? You really just loved it from the start? From the start, yeah. I always, like, as a kid, I enjoyed watching, you know, boxing mm -hmm. and, you know, martial arts movies. I, I Best of the Best was one of my favorite movies. Okay. Creed 1 and 2. Creed 1 and 2, <laughs> you know, obviously. <laughs> so that injury, you had, you didn't have to have I surgery? Didn't, I didn't have to have surgery. They, I was going to have surgery, but it where the bone had fused, they were worried that I would get permanent paralysis in my oh, leg. Wow. So we ended up not doing it. I ended up getting epidurals um, in my back. And then they just kind of said, stretch a lot, do a lot of yoga, yeah. anything to, you know, Is it healed now? Do you still have the problems where it's, you're numb? Um, every now and then. If I, if I get slammed hard, it, I can feel it. But it, it kind of helped me because I, as I was doing my jujitsu, 
I would never fall. I would always fall on my hip sideways. So I started mm. getting good at like going right into arm bars and things like that. Cause I'd always fall right onto my hip cause I never wanted to fall flat on my, yeah. on my butt. So it actually helped a little bit as far as, you know, my jujitsu, yeah. you know, always kind of going right to the side and, and things like that. So I think it helped. I don't know if it really did, but in my mind it helped me. So it must have. <laughs> now what, what year was that when you started, had your first fight? Uh, 2019, I had my first fight. I mean, 2009. 2009, 2009 okay. 2009, I had my first fight. And when did, uh, when did uh, women's MMA first was able to come into the UFC, basically? What, what year was that? I don't remember when that was. Yeah, I don't I, either. Probably was, 2014, maybe? Yeah, I was going to yeah, say 12, 13, 13, 14. 14. It was wild. Yeah. Maybe end of 2013. I'm not sure. So... Because my question was kind of like, what was your thought process going in as far as where were you going to take it? I mean, I know there, yeah, well, it, especially at that time, right? There was there, there was no Invicta, n- nothing, nothing at that point. There was point. nothing at that point. Um, I was just really doing it just to have something to compete in because yeah. I competed my entire life. So going from someone who's very competitive right. to not being able to compete was was hard for me. Yep. It was really hard for me. Like everyone, everyone was like, oh, just go play pickup soccer games, but. I couldn't just go play in a co-ed game because I was too competitive. So no. it would get it would get too much. Um, and at the same time, I never would want to step off the field. So I'd have to constantly push through the mm. leg and push through that. So it was always you got to be issue. doing something all the time. All the man. time, all the time doing something. So you never went through. I guess you didn't let yourself get into a depression or no. anything about the soccer. You went straight into another I just, sport yeah, I immediately. Just, yeah, I just no, took no it break. as no. Yeah, no break really. And we were talking about that actually on the last podcast, right? You know, as far as like that's the way I am, and a lot of people, as far as yeah, we call it walking the dog. Like if you're idle and you don't have anything, like I'm, it's competition, right? It's, yeah. It's, when I saw wrestling, I was done wrestling. It was like, what's next? I gotta have something. Something next, yeah. It's it's. I Where feel are like you it's two a, going after a, MMA <laughs> then? That's what you're gonna have to get a hobby. That's <laughs> really competitive. Whether that's jujitsu or, or you know, yeah, yeah, going back into jujitsu tournaments. Yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely. That's probably something that I would do, get back into jiu-jitsu tournaments. Right. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Frisbee golf. Yeah, you know, golf in general. It's a good lesson, though. Don't sit around feeling sorry for yourself or let your, you go right into the next thing. You yeah, I didn't give right myself in. time to be depressed or, or just any time to just get out of being competitive. I never wanted to not be active. So I didn't give myself an option to do that. Right. I didn't want to put myself into a spot where I felt sorry for myself or anything like that. I just... I took it as, okay, that's a roadblock. We're going to move on. Whether I continue to go another direction in soccer, whether I figured out how to continue to play soccer, or I figured out how to be, you know, an athlete in something else. And I just ended up falling in love with jiu-jitsu and then falling in love with being able to punch someone in the face and not get in trouble for it. <laughs> <laughs> and not to skip too far ahead, but you're like that still because since you've known you've had, the, you've had a wrist or hand injury, a couple of you've pushed through that. You yeah, keep going. I fought two fights with... Like a broken, broken hand. Re- <laughs> broken hand, hand, yeah. You had the femur injury you were seeing that was fractured. You've had yeah. a broken leg now. Yep. So you just continue to, I just push through anything, I guess. I mean, there, I mean, there's no point of stopping. Right. You know, we can only go forward. So I don't give myself time to to dwell in, in, in time, you yeah. know. I, there's, there's short time in life. So True. there's no real time to just feel sorry for yourself. So yeah, I just t- clock is ticking. Clock like is ticking. I mean, clock is ticking in life, but clock is ticking in the sport as well. Yeah, you got to stay relevant. You got to got to keep growing as an athlete, or else you're gonna get left behind. And so I just don't give myself time to to sit and dwell on things. 
Yeah, that's crazy. It's amazing, though. But you start then at this amateur fight. How, how's the art go all the way into the UFC then? Um, just fight by fight. I mean, like Bader was saying, it wasn't women's MMA wasn't big. It okay. really wasn't. So it was hard to get fights. It was hard to get girls that wanted to fight you. I mean, I think I had two fights where I weighed in, you know, the day before and everything, and then I got a call the, the morning of, hey, your girl doesn't want to fight you anymore. Wow. And so... Well, what? There's nothing. Nothing. You know, then you That's just go to, you just right go there, to yeah. the show and you watch the fight, you know, because you've already traveled wherever you needed to go and you're staying in some run-down hotel. And there's no money at that point. No, you're there's very no money. Even if you fight... You've paid your own way there. Paid your own way, had to pay, you know, your medicals. You have to pay for, you know, camp, your gym membership, getting your gear, getting shorts so you look professional. Right. You know. So were you looking at, at uh, you know, kind of strike force and all that while, while Ronda Rousey and them were kind of coming up and, um, and kind of following that as far as that? Uh, yeah, I, I, I wanted to take it as far as I could. I knew that. I didn't think, I mean, at the time, obviously – UFC wasn't in yeah. the picture. So it was getting to, um, at the time, it was just being able to fight for Tough Enough because Tough Enough was mm -hmm. the biggest organization for mm. amateur fighters. And so I was lucky enough to be able to fight for Tough Enough. I fought my first fight with them, and then I fought a title fight, my second fight, and then I fought a title defense because I won that fight, fight a title defense. And from there, I went straight to a major pro um, organization, so I went to XFC, which was on Axis TV yeah. at the time. So I never had the local pro shows. Like I never fought for WFF mm -hmm. or you know smaller local mm -hmm. pro shows. I went straight to a, a televised promotion, which I thought was good. But at the same time, I didn't get that smaller show experience where I was getting girls that were in the same caliber as me. Right. I was thrown right to you know professional the level. Yeah, professional writers. levels on uh, you know on mainstream television. And then my second fight as a pro, I fought for a belt as well. Are you nervous at this stage in your career? Or no, you're so used to athletics like Ryan. Yeah, too, it wasn't. Just... In it, it was more just okay. They're giving me this. I'm gonna take it. Like I never turned down any fights. I still haven't turned down a fight unless I was injured, which just happened this year. It was the first time I actually had to say no. I can't take a fight because your foot hurt. was actually broken. Or yeah, your lower leg at least. Yeah, yeah. So then, when does the UFC? You said 2000. 2015. I fought. Jojo Calderwood, who was number nine in the world at the time. And I fought her on 10 days notice in Scotland in her hometown. Wow. And I didn't actually know I was going to fight, like get cleared to fight until the day of weigh-ins because I flew there and I still had to get, you know, you have to get your brain scan. You have to get everything cleared by the docks. Mm. So I did that as soon as I got to Scotland and then cut weight. And at weigh when we got to the, to the venue for weigh-ins is when I got the email saying that all my stuff was... Good Jeez. to go. <laughs> wow. Stressful week. It was, a, it was a little bit of a stressful time, yeah. Flying from Arizona to Hawaii, then to Scotland. Wow. Was, and cutting weight and all that. It was, it was pretty intense. Yeah. This is where your story to me gets even more amazing from a perspective of inspiration. Because here you've gone through the soccer injury. That career ended. You immediately went into another career. You built your way all the way up to the UFC. Now you're right in the first year or so of the UFC... You lose your father and your brother mm -hmm. within a 12-month period, and you fought three times during that. Yeah. So that was 2000, end of 2015? Yeah, 2000, end of 2015. September of 2015 is when I lost my father. Okay. And then I fought um, in November. I fought Sohee Ham, 
in Korea. Okay. And then February of 2016 is when I lost my brother. And then I fought July 13th, um, 2016. I fought Christina Stancio. Right after that. And that was my first win in the UFC. So my first two fights in the, in the UFC were losses. But I got fight of the night's bull fight. You just went all out. Yeah, went all out. So when your father passes... Now, are you dealing with your father's illness? Or I don't even know how he passed away. Yeah, it was, a, it was a heart attack. So it was wow. out of the blue. Whoa. Completely out of so the blue. So it just hit you out of the blue. Hit us out, yeah. Hit You're dealing out. with that. Now, how do you deal with that? And then you told me you don't even deal... You just I didn't... Like I don't think... It, I don't... Yeah, I didn't really deal with it. I didn't... My main focus was making sure that my sister was good. Mm. Are you the oldest? Or no, you? my sister... I'm the youngest. Okay. I'm the youngest, yeah. So when my father passed away... It was more making sure that my sister was okay and everything. She had just had a baby, and I was kind of always, I didn't have the best relationship with my father. My sister had a better mm. relationship with him. Um, my parents split up when we were really young. Okay. And I just kind of, I went a different route than but my But you sister have did. to deal with that when he passes of course. away because then you're probably asking yourself questions, right? Yeah. I didn't, I don't think I ever gave my, I just kind of, you know, moved on. I like just moved do. on, just moved on. Like I did, you know, like my thing is just, like I said, was making sure that my sister was good and she was handling it well. So you focus on someone else. Yeah. Just kind of what we talked about to get yourself through that. Then you, your brother though, what's the story with your brother? My then? brother, um, he passed away from melanoma cancer. Oh, so wow. when he, when we found out he had, he was diagnosed, it was stage four already. Oh my gosh. How old was he? <sighs> I think he was late 30s. Wow. Right? Yeah, late 30s. So you deal with that quickly then too. There's Quick, not yeah. really any I time was, to... I was actually... The, I had come down to Arizona just for that night. Was I was just flew into Arizona. I was, gonna stay the, I was actually going to stay the weekend and leave Sunday. So I flew in on a Friday. And I was going to leave Sunday to go to um, Vegas because I was going to be on the Ultimate Fighter with Yoan, with with Joanna and Jacek okay. for for that season I was going to just be as a training partner for her I and see. a coach kind of okay. thing just to be there. So another big moment for Another you. big moment and like I said I just so happened to be there. He got admitted to the hospital for some back pain and then they put him in a induced coma immediately. Yeah, and then he they he got out of it. Okay. And he never left the hospital from that day. Wow. So my mom just kind of called and said, hey, like, you know, we're going to go to the hospital. We're going to stay at the hospital. And from that, that was, that was it. Wow. So from Friday, uh, I think he passed away that, that weekend. Oh, it was just a few days. Whoa. It was just a few days. There. Yeah, it was a few days short. And, you know, again, it was making sure my mom was okay handling all that. And right. then so. I had a fight. Yeah. So, and then I fought right after that. So do you use that pain in any way or you just totally block it out for training camp? I'm trying to think, like, how do you get through something like that and still do your job and train? Deal and deal with, deal yeah. I don't know how I could do that. I think it's something that I kind of put on the, not that I put it on the back burner, but I just kind of tuck it away, tuck it away for a little bit. My thing was just, like I said, father passed away, was making sure my sister was okay. Mom, my brother passing away, making sure my mom was okay, and just being as supportive as I could for her during that time. But in the meantime, I still have a job to do. 
you know, I have bills to pay. I have, you know, people right. I also got to take care of at the time as well. So I knew, I knew in my heart that that's what my brother would want me to do. Mm. Where does that strength come from? Because most people aren't wired that way at all. <laughs> they fall apart. Um, have you always been strong I as a I've, kid and yeah. that type of personality? Yeah. I, like I said, my parents split up when I was pretty young. I think I was like three or four. Okay. I remember it. I remember going to 31 Flavors and my mom telling us that, you know, dad's going to be... At three, you remember yeah, that. Yeah, and I actually called my mom the other day because it was coming on. I was like, Mom, like, how old were we? She's like, I think you were, you were three or four. Wow. And I was like, but I remember it. She's like, well, you could have just turned four. So it was like three or four or four, you know, or four. Yeah. But it's obviously a major event to remember that yeah. at that age. Yeah, and I, I remember having, you know, bubblegum ice cream. And oh, I remember wow. my sister being really upset and me just, like, telling her, oh, we're going to we're have two Christmases. Like, <laughs> we're going to have two Christmases, right. you know? Like, it's, it's, it won't be that bad. Um, but we were outside kids. My, and my mom worked a lot. My dad worked for, for the mines. So he was always gone a lot because okay. he worked graveyard shifts and, you know, five days on, five day, you know, five days off, things like that. So we, we were lock and key kids. We came home and mom was working. Dad was, you know, working and right. we were cul-de-sac kids and we hung out with all the boys. Yeah, we lived on a cul-de-sac. <laughs> right. So it was just one of those things, you know, you just kind of fend for yourself. Um, then my my mom got remarried and we moved up to to mesa and same thing my 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 stepdad and my mom ended up opening their own business together okay so they were always busy so we we were fortunate enough to have a community around us that helped us you know get to practices and and things like that we had i had great parents that were on the teams that i played for that would always make sure that i was at practice mm. whether i had to ride my bike there and they'd you know take me home at night because it was late or they would come pick me up um, but wow. I was, I was always taken care so of. So you're self-reliant from yeah, day one. From day one. I think, I feel like that's how I have been. Um, I was a kid that would go to all the soccer tournaments, but I was with different families. But they bring you. They bring me. So. Wow. So did you, were you, was the sports a distraction for you then your whole life? That's where you put your energy in and that's where you also probably got accolades and because your parents aren't around, right? So yeah, they. I mean, they were around, but they weren't. They weren't, you know, holding my hand the entire right. time. My mom was always told us, you know, you can do whatever you want, you can be whatever you want, but you just got to do it at a hundred percent. Whatever you want to do, and I'm going to help you. I might not be there, but I'm going to make sure that you're taken care of. She always made sure we had a ride, you know, or we had a way to get there. Yeah. Um. And then with my stepdad, same thing. Like he, he wasn't there, but he made sure everything was paid for so we could, we could go do those things. Right. So you get through these couple of fights with the passing of your brother and father. And then, I don't know, is it easier at that point then? Or is it? No, no I, don't think, I don't think my career in the UFC has been easy by any, <laughs> by any means. Um, it's been, it's, I mean, 10 fights in and I feel like I've had my fair share of wildness go on in, in right in the UFC, yeah. And you fought all over too. Huh? All over, yeah. What, what different countries have you fought in? Um, just named a few, Scotland, Brazil, Korea, and then I fought in Guam when I fought for PXC. I fought in Guam and Manila. How was Brazil? Everyone loves to fight. In Brazil. We fought on the same card. Yeah, in Brazil. Oh, really? You were on that Brazil. card too? Yeah, yeah, it was my last UFC fight in Sao Paulo. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. 
How's that? Everyone loves Brazil. Uh, no. It's crazy. It's crazy. CB I love feel Brazil. like Maybe it's, it's the only does. place yeah. like where you can get away with chanting you're going to kill the person. Yeah. Because yeah. like, you guys we, are the outsiders, yeah. obviously, both of you. It was, Did it was you crazy. both fight Brazilians in yep. Brazil? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they hate you, the crowd she hates you. Anyway. Claudia, I fought right? Claudia, yeah. She was ranked okay. number one. Yeah. And I wasn't ranked at all. No one wanted to fight her. Right. And she was she was two and two, and I was two and two. No one wanted to fight her. And I mess. I remember messaging Sean Shelby, and I was like, "I'll fight her." And he's like, "No, it doesn't make sense. You know, you're not ranked. She's ranked." And I was like, "Yeah, but on paper." And I remember highlighting it that oh, she really? was two and two, so and I was two and fight. two. Yeah, I mean, why not? In Brazil. In Brazil, yeah. no, you wow. know. I was like, "Why not?" The lion's den right there. Yeah. So, and he, I think like a week later, he's like, "You got the fight," because no, no one else, yeah. no one else wanted to fight her. She had lost twice to Joanna, and then she had won twice. Mm. So. I mean, my losses weren't to the champ, hers were, so that's where, you know, he was like, it doesn't make sense, but no one else wanted it, so I took it. Have you done that bef- a lot of times then? Do you always Out of the ten- go get the fight for yourself? Yeah. Every time? Yeah, pretty much every time. Or they mess, like, like I said, my first fight was on 10 days notice, and then I think out of the 10 fights that I've had in the UFC, eight of them have all been short notice, meaning less than four weeks. Okay. And then you go in the last couple of fights we've been with you with the injury. Yeah. How do you deal with that? And you know it's going to obviously hurt the whole fight because it's whole already. Fight. Yeah, my fight with. Um, Are you injured in the one fight and then the second yeah, fight? Yeah, second was fight. Still injured. I had broke my hand in the fleece herring fight. Mm. And then I had rebroke it a few times throughout camp and I had taken a short notice with Angela Hill. Okay. And my teammate at the time, Lauren Murphy, was in camp and I came back too early because she was, she was in camp. And I wanted to make sure she had training partners. And so I came back a little bit earlier than I should have. And I rebroke it on her. On her and head on or her, what? On her head. <laughs> <laughs> on her head. Rebroke it on her head. And, um, yeah, so the whole camp, I've, I literally wore boxing gloves. Hand-wrapped, real good. Right. I had, I'd wrap my hand, then tape my hand, then put my hand, you know, wear big gloves. Just Jeez. working around it. And when I went to the fight, Rob, um, Rob mm-hmm. taped my hand, and I was like, can you make it tighter? And he's like, I can't ta- make it any tighter. It's tightest I've ever taped someone's <laughs> hand before. And I was like, just tape it as tight as you can. And I put my gloves on, and then, because they make you tape up and everything, gloves on and tape, and you can't take them off. Well, I couldn't hit mitts at that point, because I didn't want to hit yeah. mitts with my hand, so I yeah. shoved my hands back into my boxing gloves. Oh, <laughs> and wow. So I never actually physically threw a punch with an MMA glove until I stepped into the cage for really? the for the Angela Hill fight. And you started in jujitsu, but the fights I've watched, you like to stand and bang a little bit. So yeah, that obviously I, affects your game a lot when your hand is yeah, working. Yeah. I mean, I don't care where the fight goes. I mean, if, if I'll stand, obviously, because that's where the fights start. But if a lot of girls don't want to get hit, then they'll take it to the ground. Well, then I'm going to try to beat you there. Right. That's how I think of it. Um, like with the Watterson fight, I was beating mm. her standing, yeah. so she decided to take me down. So I'm going to try to beat her on the ground. Right. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> that's fighting, I guess. Yeah. I, I think that's my stubbornness, you know, that, right. that comes through. Like, I could stand up, but, well, I already stood up. They didn't want to fight me there, so I'll fight him here on the ground. There's some fighters like that. I've seen John Jones say he wants to beat you at what you're best at, almost, yeah. which is a crazy concept, but... That's just, you guys are just stubborn, I guess. Yeah, a little right? stubborn. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't work out in my favor. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been out, though, how long now with the leg injury? Because now you're battling through another mental thing where you haven't been able to fight for... This is the longest I've ever been out for. Okay. Um, so February will be a year. 
Because wow. I fought last February, I fought Cynthia here in Phoenix. Okay. I remember I was at that fight. Yeah. So. And that was the last fight. That was the last fight. I tore my shoulder in the first round. Oh, my gosh. And then I rehabbed that. And then as soon as I got back, it was like the second day back for our, that I was cleared to train. Lights, you know, go light. Right. And I broke my leg. With a kick. Someone kicked you and yeah. you broke it. Yep. And then you rebroke it. Yeah, calf kicks. Damn right? them calf kicks. You rebroke it. Then, then. I rebroke it. You yeah. Need, you needed just the chill and let yeah, that so heal. Yeah. So this. So this is this is one of those things Not where, style, where the man. stubbornness no, that's, I, I can see and, that where and everything comes in. So <laughs> this actually gave me time to you know focus on my my personal life and just get back mentally healthy. Right. And just get the leg ready. And so hopefully we're gonna we'll be fighting in. Uh, you know, May or June. Do you spend any time alone? Yeah, I spend time alone. I got a Jeep like that? you. I got a Jeep like yeah, you. So, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I was like thinking about this your mental game. And I feel like sometimes when you're going and going and going, like we are here and things like that, I need like a morning out by myself yeah. while I'm running, walking the mountain with soccer moms. With like your Annie doll. <laughs> My Annie doll. But you kind of need that just to. Really not even think of anything. Just let your mind go where it wants to and yeah. clear some things out from I, time to my time. My sister lives out in Santan, so I normally, what mm. I'll do is I'll go by myself. I'll drive out there. You know, it's about an hour and 15, 20 minutes yeah. from where I live in, in Glendale. And like I said, I have a Jeep, so. I forgot we're part of a special loud. crew, Bader, which you're not part of, which <laughs> yeah. is the Jeep crew. The Jeep crew. And I don't know if you know this, when you see other Jeep drivers on the road, you wave to each other. But you're an imposter, though. You haven't taken your Jeep off of asphalt. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me that's not true. Tell me that's not true. You're getting red right now. <laughs> <laughs> he just laughs. I keep thinking I'm going to take it out, but I just don't. <laughs> You've got a winch and everything. <laughs> I like to run out there. I don't want to get it. I get you. I got you. Yeah. You just got to take it just in some dirt roads. I don't like to take it too too crazy, but... You know, I think I have dirty. a mental... So I had a 2008 Jeep that I got in 2008 new. And it was almost a lemon law for me. It broke down like four times in a row in the first month on the highway. just stopped running. There was an issue with the engine and they could never figure it out. And they finally figured it out like I think on the fifth time. So mentally I kept thinking, I'm going to be out in the middle of the desert in this Jeep and it's break not going to work. The one time I go. In my, my brand new Rubicon, it's going to yeah. break down. <laughs> so then I, that Jeep ended up going 240,000 miles though before I had to finally get rid of it. So for all the breakdowns in the first whatever 10,000 miles, it sure did last a long time. Just had to break her in. But then I went to Bader's family and got a new Jeep here this last year so. I should take it out probably. Yeah. It's got the lift on there. I got let's the go. tires. We'll take it the back way to Crown King. Yeah, let's go. I'll go with you. Yeah. Now, now I have a date. I'm there good. I don't want to be alone. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I feel like you need time alone though. Yeah. And Everyone that, does. Yeah, definitely. And my, and my time alone, like I said, is just that short driving time. Like I like to be around my family. I like to be around my friends. Right. Um, that's what's what calms me down. Right. Um, just when, when I know that my, my inner circle is good. I know I'm good. Yeah, because your house is always full of fighters and busy. <laughs> it's busy. All the time. You guys train oh, in your garage. A lot of boys. Yeah, there's a lot of boys. Is there any girls there with you? No, I feel like all the girlfriends and all the wives are just like, no, you, <laughs> you, go, you go to that house and I can have some peace and quiet. And you're there, though. I'm there. I'm but there feeding But you're cooking everyone. and stuff because mm -hmm. you've brought in cookies here, which look amazing, but you have failed to bring me in any keto, keto Yeah, cookies. I don't do. I'm, I'm working on the keto. I made you've the keto ones like and they were times. terrible. I didn't like them. I can't give you bad cookies. Well, compared to no cookies, they're probably better, <laughs> I would think. I don't know. But, um, 
Yeah, so you're busy all the time then around the house too. Yeah. Fighting. Everything's fighting in your life then all around you. All the time. I like to stay busy. Yeah. Like What's the next for you then? You're obviously legs healed up now. It's yeah. I have an, a doctor's appointment here. I think next week. And then once you're clear, should be cleared. Cleared. You go after Sean Shelby for another fight or what? Well, now I got Mick Maynard. Oh. Mick Maynard's my matchmaker now. Um, okay. Yeah, I go after him. <laughs> and when are you looking to fight then? I I would like to fight um, April May, but oh. he's saying June. So if he says June, June it's going to be. But I also told him. If you get something short notice, you're ready let to go me now because yeah, you're me eager know. to fight. Yeah, I'm eager. You it's just want to compete. You love to fight. You're just sick of sitting around. All like, of it. What, all of it. All of it. It all just drives you crazy. I like I like training for a purpose, mm-hmm. but I also that understand that you have to train every day. You have to stay, you know, relevant mm-hmm. with everything: jujitsu, you know, boxing, Muay yeah. Thai, wrestling, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, I wasn't. I only did you know, soccer. So I'd have to do everything. Right. Um, but also being about to be 33, picking up wrestling is, is tough. There's a wrestler <laughs> yeah. right here. Yeah, I know. It's one of the hardest things to, to do really. I think as wrestling an adult, and uh, judo, wrestling yeah. and judo is like the hardest thing to do. I think to I'm a up. natural wrestler. Have you seen me? I've, I've, I've seen your double leg. It's strong. <laughs> <laughs> See, but I think that's a good point is having a purpose to whatever you, cause I'm obviously, all of us here are amateur, we don't even compete. But I feel like if you don't have a goal like that race or like a certain, I want to bench this on the uh, this year, you're not going to train properly. You're not going to be motivated to yeah. get yeah. out I have, of I have to have it. that. Yeah. Uh, if I don't have a goal or something on the horizon, I start to go crazy. I need to have that. And you need to be like, all right. And that's your focus. Here we go. Then. You know, it's this date, whatever. And when I don't have that, you're kind of lost for a little bit. And you're like, all right, what, what's next? What am I doing next? What, right. what is on the horizon where I could work towards to, you know, be the best at whatever that is, whether it's like your race or a fight or whatever right. it is, you know, or jujitsu tournament or, you know, um, different hobby or whatever it is. You need a fight. You're calling out guys too. I see. I'll be fighting. Yeah. First of April, probably. Are you going yeah. to? Light heavyweight oh, yeah, this time. Weight? Light heavyweight. Light heavyweight. Yeah. Okay. Champ, Looking champ. So it was that. good. I got. Uh, I was like at one point. I was like two forty. I was like, oh man, this is gonna suck. But I took a. Uh, um, what was it? Last month, I wanted to get down as far as I could. Got down to like two thirteen without really like water weight. Yeah. Just like eating all that. I'm like, all right, I'm back. And so now I, only, I went up to like two twenty five. I'm staying there. So. It was perfect. But your 240 was lean. You still had abs. You had cardio. That's why I was getting kind of scared. I'm like, I might not be making it back down. <laughs> but at least it was like, yeah, it was lean muscle, though, which is amazing. Because most people going up to 240 from a, whatever, you 220. Yeah. I did feel be- my body felt a little different, though, like joint-wise and all that. You're yeah. like carrying away that, they're Especially carrying the around that extra probably. weight and training like that. I was like, I'm like, oh, why my, my elbows or knees keep on kind of, you know, a little funky. And then right. my optimal weight, even at heavyweight, is to be around 225 to 230. That's where you go into fights at pretty much? Yeah. Like California, we had to weigh in the right before the fight. Oh, do they so check like, if it's too much from the day yeah, before? Yeah, so something? like with okay. Fedor, I was, I was 225. With Congo, I was like 227. So that's, that's perfect. That's where you like to be. My, my body just gets there. Yeah. People don't realize how big fighters are because you see the weight on TV is 205. He's six, what are you, 6'2", 205, mm-hmm. and you think, oh, he's kind of slim. When you see him in person, they're walking around 230 yeah. and muscled up, like lean, big people. Well, that's how, I mean, 
they're, they're, you're going to gain 20 pounds, you know, from right. Just water weight from that, you know? So. Yeah. People don't, fans don't realize that. I guess yeah. when I watch you guys, cause CB was 185, you were 205. I thought I was like the same size as these guys. Cause I walk around at whatever, 215. You're way bigger than, first you're taller and longer because yeah. you're pro athletes, but you're heavier too. And then fighting at a heavyweight too, then you get next to the guys and you're like, holy shit. Some of those guys will cut down to 265. Yeah, even like day. Uh, Congo. He was a huge dude. Massive, right? Yeah, but you didn't struggle too much with that. You're stronger or what? Better? His little iPod. <laughs> Talk about that. And I was like, picked his nose a little I bit. Got, I got um, this special drug test, you know? Yeah. From California. And I'm like, you guys drug testing him over there too? You know, I got the USADA one. And you're like, no, no. I'm like, okay, look at him. Yeah, that was a moment. Then you had Rampage in the cage after you. Well, that was fun. Yeah. So, uh, he looked great his last fight. <laughs> yeah, he was 260 or something. Dude, he he looked every bit of it. 285, he said. Is that what he started so he at? Cut, he cut 20 pounds to make wow. the heavyweight. That's limit. big, man. That's, big. That's Matt's size over here. Yeah. Right? It's hard he, to fight, though, at that weight. Though. That's the problem. You might be strong in a gym, but it's hard to fight it that way. You're not as fast, right, Nagile? Oh, no. Not at all. Not at all. What's the, so 230 thinks ideal weight. Yeah, 225, 230. You're the best. You're, yeah, you're that weight at heavyweight, and even when you fight light heavyweight, then you come Pretty back Pretty much, up. yeah. I, in camp, I'm a little different. I'll, like, I'll start out. I was 240, that, you know, and then I'll be down at like 233. Mm. But then, like, fight week, all that, the day of, like, nerves, all, your body just, like, comes down. this is where we're going to be, you know? And then right. it's around 227. How much weight do you cut for a fight? From start of camp to then, like, three days out and then finally? A, a lot. <laughs> you don't want to say. I don't want to say. I don't want to say. I mean, I'm 5'7", and I fight at 115 pounds. So. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah, and I, and I fought And I fought one fight at 110 pounds. How and hard is that cut for you then, too? Um, it's, it's harder tough. as you guys get older. It's it's tough. It's been um I've never I've never missed weight. Um but it it's it's tough. Yeah. Cuz a lot of them are short notice. Right? So it's it's hard, you know, when you're getting it getting the phone call and you're like, "Oh, yeah. okay. I got 4 weeks." I, I was at the weigh in here in Phoenix when you fought Cynthia. You guys both had a hard weight cut look yeah. like. Yeah. I guess it's just like that. It's just like I mean, and sometimes like I keep a log so I know like okay this is how much I was last time this is how much I cut and sometimes you know five pounds out is easy sometimes five pounds out is hard sometimes it's four pounds you're like oh yeah. it's only four pounds but then it's harder than it was when it was five mm. pounds or six pounds so it's hard to even so sometimes it's that. hard to gauge because every fight's different you know yeah. every single fight camp's different your body adapts differently you know um, I've started learning that some foods that you take in last camp Right. You can't take in the next camp because your everything changes. Your body makeup changes. Yeah. Things like that start affecting, you know, the weight cuts. You I got, cut. Your entire lives are fights. The training camp's <laughs> fighting, the weight cut is fighting, the yeah. nutrition, the day the, of the fight is fighting, I feel obviously. Like, yeah. But it's I just feel like fight. that's the easiest part. The, yeah. the actual fight is the easiest part of everything cuz we fight every single day like can't like training yeah. is a fight yeah. every day so we fight every single day that's so a metaphor for life it's the it's the practice up until the actual every, moment yeah. where you have to perform every time you anything. walk walk out of the cage or whatever you're like whatever you, you're like oh that wasn't like you make it into something different sometimes or harder than it is and then you walk really out here you win or lose and you're like oh that was fun or you know like 
that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to yeah. be it or seems whatever awful, it is. It awful, like, to walk into a cage knowing I'm going to get punched in the face with basically a bare fist. you got to control it. It's yeah. I would not do well Some people can't all. control it. That'd be me. <laughs> yeah. I always want to run. I'm a runner. Right? Always, this is a weird question, so forgive me. But females have to obviously take into account, like, you know, their cycle. Their period, their right. cycle. Yeah. How does that affect females uh, when they're cutting weight or anything? I've... I've never had a problem with it. Okay. I mean, I've I've cut weight thinking, okay, I'm not gonna have my period, and I'm you know make you know stand on the scale, and then literally walking to the official weigh-ins, really? and I'll be like, oh, started my period. Oh shit! Didn't think I was going to, and started. You know what yeah. I mean? Or have it like the week before, or have it during you know weight cut. I've never personally experienced a problem yeah. with it because I always account like it could gain two pounds. Just you know, before, I could right. lose two pounds. Okay. So. I don't know. So, but I've never personally had a problem with it. I know yeah. girls use that, you know, say, that, oh, I was, on, I was excuse, on my period. Yeah. So I, you know, I didn't lose those four pounds. Right. Um, I think. Great excuse. It, yeah, it's a great, ex- <laughs> it's a great excuse. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's like, you know that, you know that from day one. I mean, you know that the moment you start having your period, like, okay, like I'm going to gain weight or I lose weight and things like that. Right. You're used to it at this used point to it. in your life. I feel like you should be used to it. I feel like you should know your body enough. But again, with training, things change. But you should adapt knowing. Give yourself, like, I might gain five pounds. So I need to cut five pounds earlier. Right. That's how I That's how I. I would have just. Yeah. <laughs> in the date, you know, you you know what I mean? In my, in my eyes, like, making weight is your job. Because you get paid the, oh, yeah. to make weight. Right. And to step in the cage. And then, you know, then you get paid extra if you win. Right. But your goal is you have to make the weight to be able to step in the cage. Because at any time, if you don't make the weight, your opponent can be like, I'm not fighting you. Do fighters like the win bonus? Or you'd rather just get paid no matter what? I Do you mean, know what I mean? On the UFC, you're half the pay Half and half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it would be nice if it was more to to. To, to show. Because you've done all the work. You're fighting regardless. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like. I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. But yeah, that's how it is. Still. I know some people have it like where their show money is a lot more than what their win money I is. See. Like, oh, I, I get twenty thousand to show and I only get ten to win, or I get fifty yeah, to show better, and I, I get twenty yeah, yeah. to win. So you're guaranteed more money up front. Right. I, that's what like when a big thing when we left for uh, Bellator. Right. That's what we do now. Just flat fees, bonuses for finish, whatever. Yeah. Um. You know what. Because I can fight a certain way with using my wrestling to secure my win. my win bonus, which, you know, you start getting up there, it's a substantial amount that you're leaving on the table if you right. don't win. You know, and so sometimes you find yourself, and I, I think it's a detriment where, like, all right, I can go in there and take these two down and, you know, just beat them up on the ground or, right. you know, and it might not be the most exciting fight, but I, I won that fight. I doubled you know, my money. You, yeah, and you doubled your money in... in um, like I said, you're leaving a lot on the table, you know, um, with a flat fee. I mean, obviously what you want to win, but you can go out there and be more free, I think, and take right. more risks and chances and stuff like that. But what would you feel if it was you either win or you draw? Win or you draw? Yeah. It's like you got 15 minutes. You either win the fight or oh, you both no draw. One if no wins, one, no one, no one, no one. Like, a yeah, like yeah. that's what it is. Like, okay, it's a draw. That's kind of like a street fight back in the yeah. day. 
Yeah, right. both just stop at the end. Are we done? Like, oh. we're done. <laughs> no one really won, so uh, it's a draw. That's interesting. I've never heard that. Yeah, I was talking with one of my friends about that. How interesting the fights would be. So then you have to finish, or you're just you yeah. just get the you just get your money, your show money, or whatever it is. No, I see it on the financial aspect mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, I would just be pissed if I go out there and totally dominate this dude. Right, like it's a draw. You're like, it's <laughs> <laughs> just hard to finish. What do you want me to do? Well, yeah. Yeah, you got out of a problem finishing what lately, about, What though? about bringing back That's the 10... That's what she said. <laughs> oh! oh what about 10-minute first rounds, like old pride rules? I can see that. Oh. I, mean, I feel like a lot of fights would have gone a lot differently if they had that. I think I would like rounds. that more because... You've I, got great cardio. You'd well, be really I, good at that. A lot of the... I went on, like, cardio, whatever, uh-huh. but as far as, like, that break... That, I think... And you, you know, so if you had one and you have one break and you're like, I go back out there, I'm done after this, yeah. right? The last five-minute <clears throat> five round. 10 minutes is a long time to fight, though. It is. Holy smokes. That's a whole different mental game right there. I can't even do three when I'm hitting a bag with you guys. I'm, like, tired after three minutes. Yeah, people don't realize how hard it is, especially when you have, you know, sparring and all that. It's hard. And then you have a new person you've never fought and trained before. And it's wrestling and holding on to each other. And you realize that they're really trying to hurt you. It's not like sparring where they're like, oh, I'm going to try to tag you up, but I'm not going to, you know... Try to finish you with yeah. the knee in the face or something. <laughs> and, and so that that uh, that brings another part of it, too. The emotional right. side. You kind of can drain yourself and whatnot. Crazy. You guys live a crazy life. It's been awesome having you on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. your story inspires a lot of people, especially going through hard times. That just put your head down and move forward, basically, is how you do it. Yeah. Right? Pretty much. Awesome. Thanks for coming <laughs> yeah, in. I really love. appreciate it. Ass. Thank you. Pleasure awesome having you. you. Remember, strong has many forms. Find yours. Hit that gong. Oh, yeah, the Joe gong. Not the bong, the gong. (laughs) This episode of the Finding Strong podcast has been brought to you by 8-Man Strong. It was recorded at 8-Man headquarters in Phoenix, Arizona. Finding Strong and 8-Man Strong are registered trademarks of the 8-Man Company USA. All rights reserved.